What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are an independent Star Trek podcast where myself, David Majors, and my co-host, Heather Kirby, we talk about Star Trek in a three-act format. And we're a Star Trek podcast, and we thank you for listening. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Heather, how have you been? What's going on? Uh, well, I'm here, and... and uh... I got some things to say about Star Trek, and and, and that's all the, the hints I'm giving at the start here. <laughs> so. I, I love that. I want you to know that I absolutely love that. I love when you have strong opinions on Star Trek. I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to hear them, and I cannot wait to jump into new business especially. Now, for new, new listeners of the show, we do this in a three-act format. Where we start with old business and we cover what Will Wheaton calls legacy Star Trek, which is everything from the cage up to and including the Kelvin movies, what is colloquially known as legacy Star Trek. New business is what's happening in the world of Star Trek right here and right now. So, yes, we are definitely talking about Star Trek Picard. Oh, baby, I think we both have some things to say about Star Trek Picard. And upcoming business is what's happening a little bit later on in the future, where we talk about news and notes and any kind of announcements that might be coming out. So that'll be upcoming business, where we look at Star Trek Beyond, pun intended. Heather, you came up with this idea for old business, and I thought it was really cool. And I have an answer. I have an answer that that might be a little bit off the beaten path, but I'm gonna let you introduce this one so heather please you have the con well you know i thought it was fitting especially after the first two episodes of season three of the card which we're going to talk about new business that for old business we address the star trek children (laughs) which there have been plenty of star trek characters that are children of a lot of the characters that we know and love and have become characters that we know and love uh, throughout the series. So I, I, I mean, there are some legendary ones like Wesley Crusher, uh, like Jake Sisko. Um, there are some maybe didn't get to feature too much, but are still pretty awesome. And that would be the O'Brien kids, uh, Molly O'Brien and, Oh, I forget his son's name. <laughs> Kiriyoshi. Kiriyoshi. I, I knew it. That's why I didn't want to butcher it, because I knew it was an Asian name. And then uh, the, there are some that have literally outshined their parents, like Naomi Wildman. Okay? Naomi Wildman is awesome. Uh, so I, I, I mentioned all a lot of the ones that we know and love. The one deep cut character, I wanted to mention this when it comes to Star Trek children, um, and that is uh, T'Pol and Tripp's baby in Enterprise. Oh, yeah, that is a deep cut. Uh, I believe they had a daughter, right? Yes, um, it was a daughter. I believe they they ended up naming her Elizabeth or something like that. Yes, Elizabeth. Okay, um, but she doesn't survive, and she's a she's a character of genetic manipulation 
because it, it wasn't something naturally born. She doesn't end up surviving. But the most important thing about Elizabeth is that she shows that alien races can procreate with humans, ultimately leading to characters like Spock, like Balana, like Kalar. And so, like, she is the cornerstone of what has given us a lot of legendary characters. And, and so she definitely deserves a place in the hall of legendary Star Trek children, I think. I think that's a great choice. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Naomi Wildman, subunit of Ensign Wildman, because Naomi Wildman is not the first child of her kind in star trek now if you remember naomi wildman was sort of in that child genius trope but it was much different because in the beginning naomi wildman was a character that really didn't annoy or irritate the cast and crew of the ship the same way wesley crusher did wesley crusher was a kid that they he had to grow on the crew of the Enterprise eventually, and eventually they grew to like him. Uh, even even Jean Luc Picard, it still took a little bit longer. Uh, but with Naomi Wildman, it was very different. They seemed to take a liking to her right away because she was so likable. She was such a good kid, and she was also this precocious genius child. And I wanted to just point out Naomi Wildman especially just as I would probably say out of all of the kid characters in Star Trek probably my favorite yeah Naomi's a personal favorite of mine too but I I think she benefits from a lot of things that poor Wesley didn't have and that's the uniqueness of Voyager's situation Uh, Voyager was never intended to be a family ship But because they got stuck in the Delta Quadrant and Samantha Wildman found out she was pregnant, all of a sudden, like, this child is introduced and and becomes, like, basically the child of everyone on the ship because she's the only one there for a decent amount of time until, like, we introduce the Borg children and things like that. So I, I think she really benefited from their situation in a way that poor Wesley kind of got like his, his was entirely the opposite and a more detrimental situation to him. But I do think it's a testament to Wesley that eventually it did work out for him in, in the, in the end. Um, He wasn't a self insert character. Well, he was a self insert character according to what has been written. Uh, to Gene Roddenberry, Gene used Wesley as a self-insert, and Naomi didn't have that problem. She was her own character, and they wrote her in a way that was not annoying or irritating, which they did with Wesley, and which, to a certain degree, they did with the kids on Deep Space Nine as well, uh, except for Molly. Molly wasn't annoying, but it seems like in Star Trek for the longest time, there was always this negative connotation with children how for a lot of reasons children just got in the way and 
maybe maybe that's something that by the time Naomi came around was taken out of the picture. Uh, have we haven't seen a lot of kids in in this current era of Star Trek, have we? No, we haven't. But you know, it it especially dealing with a lot of like the COVID protocols that the shows have gone through over the past few years. Like that's a lot harder on the child actors than it is on the adult actors, because I know with some other shows that I've watched that use child actors a lot, uh, the COVID protocols really limited how much they could use them. So that's probably stopped them from introducing children into uh, the introducing children into the live action shows um, I say live action because obviously we have Prodigy, which is a whole bunch of kids. And the first season of Prodigy was a lot of the kids working by themselves. And now the second season, we're going to see how the Prodigy kids interact with more adults in a Starfleet setting. So the, this will be our first time in the, the new era of shows where we get to see that. I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think... Prodigy was a great first season, and I think it has a lot of hype and, and a lot to build up to in its second season. And you made a great point there about how they're all kids, and it'll be interesting to see how Starfleet adapts to them because sometimes Starfleet and kids don't always mix well together, but we'll see. We'll see. That we will. All right, are you ready to move into new business, Heather? Are we ready to talk about Star Trek Picard? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, okay. So let's talk about Season 3 of Star Trek Picard, Episode 1, The Next Generation. Jean-Luc leaves Laris behind again to answer a distress call from Beverly Crusher. And he asks Will Riker to come along with him and they go aboard the USS Titan where they meet the first officer seven of nine and the Titans new captain Liam Shaw. And we go from there. Heather, tell everybody, what do you think of this episode? Um, okay. We're going to start with me being nice at first, then me moving into being not so nice. Um, It is a Picard and Riker buddy episode, which is fine. (laughs) Uh, It's fine for those fans that enjoy that type of nostalgia. Um, These first, especially these first two episodes of Picard have made me miss Star Trek Discovery so much. <laughs> I, I, I miss Discovery after watching these episodes. I really do. I can relate to that. I, I kind of get how you feel. Um, I, 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 I very much dislike Captain Shaw, and I don't understand why people... Are standing up for him. Hmm, standing and up for him. Yeah, yeah. That there's a there's a lot of, of folks talking online who 
apparently love Captain Shaw and are all like Captain Shaw is right. Which, look, as we get into the discussion about episode two, yes, there's aspects of Captain Shaw's attitude that is spot on. But here's my main problem with Captain Shaw. He treats his first officer like shit. He is completely rude. He is is, is extremely... Um, bigoted towards the fact that she is a former Borg. He refuses to let her use her chosen name and forces her to go by what is essentially her dead name. It, it, it's very much a, a trans allegory by forcing her to go by Annika Hansen when her chosen name is Seven. Agreed. No argument on that. Uh, and I'm not going to defend him. I'm certainly not going to defend him because that's a bad look. I'm not even going to say I like Captain Shaw, but there was something in episode two with him that really caught my attention. It really made me question him. Yeah, I, I, and, and, I, and, and, and I, I get where you're going with this, and I, can under, I, I, I have a point on that too, and I don't know if we just want to move into talking about both of these episodes together because they go yeah. together really well. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. So in episode two, the, there is that moment where um, the captain of the Shrike mentions his His psychological profile. Yeah. yeah, his psychological profile. And that um, for me was like, they wrote that for a reason. They put that in there for a reason. And... I, I'm again not defending him, uh, but uh, I'm, ju I'm just wondering what the hell is up with him. Yeah, well, no, no, they did put that in there for a reason, but this is the way I, I, I'm looking at it right now. Hurt people, hurt people. So agreed. Yes, Captain Shaw definitely has something in his background that has hurt him, and it's making him hurt other people, especially seven in this instance. And it, it that's still not okay. In, 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 in my opinion, it's not okay to watch. And here's the thing, like I said, Captain Shaw's attitude and towards Picard and Riker, like in any other situation, I, 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 I would agree with him. You know, I, I think the two of them do deserve to be taken down a peg a lot like Admiral Clancy did in season one of Picard. I mean, that's very much the role that Captain Shaw is playing right now. It's the same as Ad Admiral Clancy. But it, my problem he is... He doesn't make it easy. He doesn't make it easy. Well, my problem is that they inserted Seven into his whole attitude, too. So, like, if he didn't treat Seven the way he did... I wouldn't have an issue with the way he's treating Picard and Riker. Or I, I wouldn't have as big of an issue with the way he's treating Picard and Riker because Picard does deserve to be taken down a peg. Okay. But what, what I am wondering, at least with fandom reactions is why are you all getting behind Shaw, but then you wanted to call Admiral Clancy a horrible character when she basically treated him exactly the same way. People are saying that about Admiral Clancy. People have I said that about Admiral Clancy for years. I thought she was, she was great. 
that she was horrible for talking down to Picard, but now we want to back Captain Shaw for doing the same thing. Do you see the misogyny there? I I do. I do. But I'm not seeing as many people, I guess I'm not seeing as many people defending Captain Shaw as you you have. I'm not saying they haven't. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. Uh, every, I've seen much more from people that are agreeing with you 100% uh, regarding Captain Shaw that the way he's treating Seven is inexcusable and anything else is irrelevant to to what's going on there. And I, I get I, that. I totally do. I, 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 I mean, his treatment of Seven really reminds me of like the way a few people treated Michael at first too. And, and it's like you, you have a whole bunch of Starfleet characters like Kirk and, and Picard and uh, Cisco on occasion who did whatever they wanted to and flaunted the rules themselves and got up, but seven steps, one toe out of line and she's being removed of duty like, and and that's not necessarily just a flaw in Captain Shaw. That's a flaw in the writing here. That's the that's a flaw in the story, in my opinion. I don't want to lay all of that on Shaw as a character, but it, it it's a major flaw in the story to treat her like that. I really do think that the writers have done something very. What's the word I'm going to use here? Challenging. They are challenging the audience to maybe not necessarily pick a side one way or the other, but I think they're challenging the audience to be patient. And that doesn't always happen with something, with a character that is already very polarizing. People are going to react. People are going to have opinions. Not everyone is going to wait for the entire story arc to play out. And those are the consequences that the people behind the show have to deal with. They have to answer for that. And I feel like everything you're saying is completely justified. I've come out of these two episodes with more questions than answers. I feel like these two episodes for me have been very, very weird. I've been, I've been struggling to form an opinion overall on, these two episodes because they just left me asking more questions like what's up with captain shaw what's up with jack crusher what why why did beverly cut off contact for 20 years where has Worf been what the hell i really just i just really want to know what the hell's going on and i'm less excited for this show than i thought i'd be and even though I wasn't super excited for all of the TNG nostalgia, like a lot of people, so far I've been watching this and I've been not as excited as I'd like to be two episodes in. It's been more confusing than anything. It just feels like they're, they're doing a very slow burn on the whole thing. And I'm just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Well, okay, so I'm I'm pretty sure this entire season is designed to literally be like a ten part 
extra long movie. <laughs> and that that's why we're getting stories like that. But here's here's my main problem with these first two episodes. I'm not just not excited. I'm disappointed watching these these two episodes because I really feel like like yes, we got the nostalgia of all these 90s characters coming back, but we also took the story back like 30 years to the 90s and so we're writing characters like we did back then. That's how I felt after watching these two episodes. Like, this isn't modern Trek anymore. This is 90s Trek. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> because it took, like, a, a, a few characters, and it, it really rolled back the clock on a lot of them. It rolled back the clock on Seven's character. It rolled back the clock on Rafi's character. I think Rafi's arc through these first two episodes... And I get that addicts are constantly struggling and it's a disease and it, it's something that she will probably struggle with her whole life. But I really hated watching her go backwards and go in a place where she would rather put her job and what she's hunting to find above her family. Like that scene in episode two when she's talking to her ex-husband and he says... I can either talk to Sneed or I can talk to our son for you. And she chooses Sneed. Really? Like, I hated that. I hated that. I hated watching that. And, and, and I mean, I maybe it's just me, but I, I, I just, I really hated watching that. I hear you. I hear you. Um, it really made it look like Rafi has gone back to her old ways in a lot of different aspects in that people don't believe her when she's talking about things she's seeing in Starfleet intelligence, except with the last time with the Romulans, she turned out to be right. Didn't she? Yeah. So I, I would think that the show would give her a little bit more benefit of the doubt, given she was right the last time. Exactly. And she's working in Starfleet Intelligence, which, fine. That's where she wants to be. But the fact that her, her profile that her handler used against her uh, pointed out her substance abuse problems, I thought that wasn't cool to me. That was a problem. Because here is someone who is making the best of their life, struggling with addiction. But as of right now, everything they've done has come through correct. And I think that we should give Rafi a little bit more credit than we're giving her. And I think that goes back to the writing of the show. I don't know what they're doing with any of these characters right now. And you're disappointed. I'm confused. And well, it, two, it, two, two episodes in, I feel almost kind of lost. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed, especially because, I, I mean, our, our last episode, we literally talked and praised and, and discussed all the amazing women of Picard. 
And these first two episodes, like, I, I, I feel like the women characters are the ones really getting the short end of the stick in these episodes. Uh, because you, you have Beverly, who had Picard's son and then didn't talk to him for 20 years. Like, that just kind of makes her a little bad, look a little now, bad. And now she's playing damsel in distress. Yeah. I I, I mean, you got Rafi everything going on with Rafi and seven, uh, you know, they, they really, they really got the women looking very weak. And I, I, I'm, I'm extremely disappointed to watch that. Now here's, I want to move into saying the one good thing I really enjoyed. Um, the, actor who's the young actor who's playing jack crusher um i should have looked up his name i don't know his name ed spielers okay he is fantastic in my opinion i think he is literally eating the scenery up and for a younger actor to do that while on screen with these legends like patrick stewart and jonathan frakes and he's stealing the scenes from them. I, 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 I can't give him enough praise. I, I, I think he's doing a wonderful, wonderful job. And I can't wait to learn more about Jack. Uh, I think you made a great point there. He's really more than carrying his, his fair share of, of this series so far i think that the performances the acting in the show so far has been really really good on all sides i think everyone is doing a really good performance and i think ed spielers is more than holding his own uh, amongst these highly thought of venerable actors and a guy like todd stashwick who's playing shaw i think he's doing a very good job yeah, definitely. Sorry, I had to take a drink there for a second. My my throat started to bother me a little. Um, okay. Let's go into up t- upcoming business. Uh, I just saw some news earlier today that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, it's coming from Trek Corps. Uh, all four big screen adventures from The Next Generation... So that's Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis are all going to be getting a 4K Blu-ray release. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome for people who care about stuff like that. I'm not one of them. <laughs> so. Well, if you are and if you do, it'll be out on April 4th. And it should be now I've seen all of these movies on Paramount Plus and they look good to me. So I'm imagining what they'll look like on Blu-ray in 4K. If you have that kind of thing like I do, I have a pretty decent TV. It'll probably be a great watch and you might even get them on a discount since they're coming out so and I believe they're all coming out in a package. I've, let me check this. 
yet they've got the 4K Ultra HD Star Trek The Next Generation 4 movie collection. So, yeah, it looks like it's going to be coming out as a package and a collection. So that's cool, too. You won't have to buy three movies all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I mean that's definitely didn't they do, they they did a, a like a group box set like that with the original series movies, um, last year I think. So, they did. Um, I, I'm glad the next generation movies are getting the same treatment. So that's a good thing. Um, and I do love and appreciate most of the next generation movies. Um, just because. TNG was my show growing up and well which one do you not appreciate so much um huh that's a good question if I had to pick uh generations would probably be my least favorite I I kind of felt that coming that that was kind of the answer I expected I mean, everyone, it, it, it's pretty probably unanimous that First Contact is the best one of all the TNG movies. Um, I have a soft spot for Insurrection and Nemesis because I believe Insurrection was actually the first Star Trek movie I ever saw in theaters. Mm. So I, I, I saw both Insurrection and Nemesis when they were in the theater. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I have a little bit of a soft spot for both of those i know nemesis is not good (laughs) in many ways uh but generations comes to the bottom for me i actually did see generations in the theaters as a kid with my mom and my sister and yeah it hasn't aged so well in my opinion it hasn't aged the greatest uh i think that over time I've grown to have more of an appreciation for insurrection than I did in the past. And yeah. first first contact is generally regarded as the best. And Nemesis, I have not watched Nemesis in a long time. I might do that soon. I might do it tonight. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah, that's I'm I'm not gonna argue with you on generations. It has not aged well, in my opinion. Yep. But, but I'm also someone who feels like TNG isn't aging very well either. So you can at me at call me DJM if you have opinions on that. Okay, Heather. I think <laughs> no I think we No, that Look, I know you you like to get people upset on the internet sometimes. I can too. I don't think generations is aging very well, I don't think TNG is aging very well. I think that it's 30 plus years and it's starting to show it. And I, I feel like you can at me if you feel that, if you feel differently. Yeah. But until then, I think we covered everything that we need to cover. I think we did. All right. Well, in that case, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of The Promenade Merchants. You can follow me, like I said. At call me DJM. Even if you're on if you're on Spoutable, you can follow me there. You can find me there too. Uh, Heather, tell them where they can follow you and what you've got going on. Well, you can follow me at NerdyGal33, um, and I have absolutely nothing going. 
absolutely nothing going on. All right. Well, follow her anyway. She's a great follow. I I say and what I say goes. So follow Heather at NerdyGal33. Thank you all for listening, everybody. And until next time, live long and kick ass.